You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was a bouncing in and laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Hi there, I'm Glenn Savile. Daddy looking in his rear view, hoping that we just hang on. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 126 of the Always Race Day podcast. I'm Connor Ferguson here with Caleb Sloha and Josh Olmstead. We are going to get into everything that happened in racing over the weekend from Jake Swanson's win, uh, IndyCar on a really tight course in Detroit. Uh, what's going on on dirt with rubber being laid down on racetracks? And uh, talk everything about a marathon race uh, that was gateway for the cup series today we're going to get into it uh next on the always race day podcast presented by the carlotta group hey caleb yes how's your car situation going um i i got one um bought one around here unfortunately didn't make the trek out to carl auto but um if i would have it probably would have been a little bit better than the situation i have right now that's fair I- you don't have to name the dealer dealership. How were the employees? Were they nice? Yeah, I mean they were they were they're pretty nice. Um nice I got Carl guys. They I I mean I got lucky with this one. He was pretty nice, but I've I've definitely met some uh uh pretty, you know, antsy and pushy salesmen. So um how's yeah. the cleanliness of the car? Was there any dirt inside it? Uh, yeah, there's some gravel and stuff on the Okay, floor. yeah. See, I mean, where do you go Friday? Hawkeye Downs? Yes, I did. This explains everything. See, if you would have gone to the Carl Auto Group and made the track over to Knoxville Raceway, you would have seen a kick-ass race uh, for the non-wing sprint cars for the USAC non-wing sprint car series with Jake Swanson winning. And you wouldn't have had dirt in, anywhere in your car as long as you didn't come on Friday when it rained there. So, all I'm saying, if you haven't gone down to the Carl Auto Group to get the car that you need, you're in the wrong place. Get down there. Appreciate them uh, partnering with us uh, and being the presenting sponsor of the podcast. Let's get into uh, the race weekend. 
tons of stuff to talk about. I like to call it a little appetizer weekend, uh, just with where team series uh, and certain drivers are racing, um, getting ready for this week that has the Dirt Late Model Dream at Eldora, uh, as well as the World of Outlaws race at Knoxville. They're weekend doubleheader there. And then um, Sunday, like the marquee event of the year, Chase Elliott returns to NASCAR after like 12 days off. And we haven't seen him in forever. So it, blissful weekend coming up. Uh, but we have to talk about this weekend first. So, so I mean, tell me what what exactly happened in Knoxville? Because I know it rained. We had our fair share of rain at Hawkeye Downs as well. And if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Knoxville's seen more rain than uh, racing this year, right? Yeah. Oh, it's been terrible. It's awful to start the year. Uh, when a national tour is in there, they'll try everything they can do to get the show in. So lasted about an hour and a half, maybe two hours of just standing around time. And uh, the rain it just kept pitter pattering. There was no like, then it downpoured for a while, like 20 minutes worth, but then it just kept little singular droplets and stuff like that. Did you want, do you want to start with dirt? We can start with NASCAR. No, I say we just go in order and. Okay, well, Caleb wanted a rundown. I gave him a rundown. Okay. The rundown is just in the chronological events of the weekend. That's that's fine because we'll let uh, stuff kind of get rolling uh, with. No, we do. Let's start. Let's start with NASCAR because we have Indiana Midget Week is running and Houston's is running. And if we're still talking and the race is going on, I'd like to hit those. So let's let's start with what this developing situation is between Richard Childress racing and Austin Cinder. Uh, I guess in the post-race, they, I'm guessing that was a post-race interview. Jeff Gluck just tweeted out that Richard Childress believes Austin Cinder wrecked Austin Dillon on purpose as a form of payback. Josh very smartly asked payback from what? But I don't, you know, whether it matters or not, like, He's going to be suspended if we have uh, SMT data that shows he turned the wheel to the right at all, or left, whatever. I'm thinking in the video, hold on. Yeah, left, right? Yeah, it would have been left. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is where our the, the gray line is going to kind of bite us in the butt because I'm going to see. Um, now it's going to be. Hey, well, that was an excellent, excellent sneeze pause. Thanks. I try not to, you know, make everybody else hear it, but um, now it's going to happen again. But now it's going to be, you know, where even if Cindric didn't do it, but, you know, it kind of looks like he did, uh, he's going to sit out and now, you know, that's the precedent. So that's kind of the downside. Uh, I mean, yeah, it looked like he hooked um, Austin Dillon, but it just, it also, like right after that, Cindric doesn't like go all the way to the bottom and he struggles and, you know, goes up the track too. So I, I don't know, I guess I, I'd have to see what happened beforehand. Um, I don't know. And I don't know if it was payback from this race or a previous one. Uh, I don't have that in front of me right now. Bad journalism on my part. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Richard said it, but we talk about right rearing people and you said last week right rearing people isn't acceptable i, I proposed, you're, yeah 
Yeah. Um, I've proposed the, the case by case basis thing where no rule should have precedence. And I think there's positives to that and also a lot of negatives to it. Um, as far as, you know, then you open the door to a possibility of different levels of penalties for seemingly the same results. Um, I, I don't think we have the answer on this podcast, but what, what do you think now, I guess? Um, and Josh, you can weigh in too, but just about what are we going to do with these, like, possibly on purpose wrecks and teams accusing each other of wrecking each other? Like, is this going to be a thing we hear about every week? Um, I don't think so, just because... Probably makes our job easier, honestly. Right. Easier but... to identify rivalries if we have team owners claiming that someone wrecked their team. It kind of reminds me of baseball with the coach from the other side saying to check the guy's glove. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm going through and trying to find some more information on it. I'm not finding anything, but it just happened. It's, so. it's very dry. It just came um, out. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to see it too often though, just because the penalty is ste- steep when it comes to this format. Um, maybe a couple of years ago, people will be willing to take that chance on getting a suspension just because you didn't have guys winning as much, but like if you're a Ricky Stenhouse who has a win in the bank, but yet guys are kind of still like, you're still on the brink of guys winning the way you can get bumped out. Or even if you haven't won in the year, like it's just too steep of a penalty to take that chance. And obviously the emotions run high and you don't think in the moment, but I mean, we, what, this is the third incident in the last few months but what about before that i mean we haven't really had any incidents that have been at least outstanding well i mean two years you're now. saying like yeah if you're saying last few months and you include the bubble one from last year like that well yeah that's what i'm saying yeah that's what I'm yeah because yeah. before that we didn't really have any but i feel like I, you see guys in dirt races go up and run into someone you have to be vigilantly paying attention but nothing comes of it They'll do it under caution. They'll like send messages and stuff to each other, um, hand signals and all that stuff. Uh, you guys get what I'm saying, but it's always going to be there, I think. And if we're going to penalize every single one, I mean, Carson Hosevar is going to end the year with 17 starts. But that's what's going to happen is if we're going to take this precedent and run it into the ground we're going to run it into the damn ground the rest of the year i i think fans get confused though because i already see people like calling for uh like i don't know like it's there's there's a big difference between intentionally wrecking somebody and unsafely intentionally wrecking somebody if that makes sense and obviously there's no clear-cut line for that but you know if if you wrecking under yellow has always been seen as like a big no-no too but like if if you intentionally wreck somebody it's just not the same as if you right rear them into the wall like that's just across racing has always been like a huge no-no and then you know like if you're going to bump or hit somebody under yellow that's not that big of a deal necessarily but you know if you are hitting 
them while you know they're around safety crew like that's again something that you know have to be looked at so i i know there's fans out there that like now every time somebody wrecks each other or every time somebody you know purposely wrecks somebody you know the 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 fans want a one-week suspension like they wanted a one-week suspension for hamlin uh at oh god where was it um Phoenix. Now, for for the Kyle Larson deal, um, well, yeah, it, Kansas. Yep. They were like, "Well, why didn't he get suspended for that?" It's it's not the same thing. Like over aggressive driving, and even you know getting even is not the same as right rear hooking somebody into the wall because there's people too that like yesterday now they want uh creed to have uh one week suspension because he spun nema check and it's there's a there's a difference there's a difference and i don't think some of the fans understand that but uh you want to have that hard racing and that boys have at it but you can't have them sending each other head on into a wall yeah, and don't and don't give the just not uneducated, but maybe misguided or, or purposely uh, passionate people. Don't give don't give those people. I did that today on on accident. Basically, my for you page was filled with people calling NASCAR unprofessional and stuff for Fox losing the broadcast when it was internet issues at the track at Gateway that actually uh, took out the radio broadcast for longer than uh, the race had paused for it. So that was unfortunate. And, you know, that stuff's always going to stink. Um, but I, I just think if we're going to get into the debate on the, it, this guy needs to be suspended for this or that, and it's simply based around well they suspended this guy a week for it for wrecking someone so why doesn't this count like if if i bump and run someone at bristol am i going to get suspended because i crashed him for the win but i think nascar's made that pretty clear though when i know yeah they have to an extent um let me ask you this do you think austin Dillon is going to get suspended uh or i'm sorry austin sendrick is going to get suspended if or do you think he should be suspended i should ask if the s and t data shows that he turned that way well that's hard because if he also does he he has the the corner is going to the left yeah see that's the problem so like they'll they'll be able to look at it and say like okay all the other drivers start turning in the corner here he started you know 80 feet sooner or whatever they'll be able yeah, to or look your at last lap yeah yeah but they'll also be able to look at too and see if if something was wrong with the car or you know whatever like so it's hard to say like if he did it intentionally then yes i think you have the same deal as the others but it, i i you know they have to show that it's it was intentional um you know that's if it wasn't intentional then no he doesn't deserve you know that penalty oh my god and, i'm sorry but, i completely ignored this sorry i have just interrupted caleb again so we're off to a rousing start my bad it's, i guess that part of the smt day I, I looked it up on twitter just to make sure right now 
I guess that some of the SMT data wasn't working for teams today because the internet. Well, so that was my next question. Yes. So the yes, SMT data was part of the internet issue, for my understanding, or whatever. The, the scoring NASCAR scoring there, they have a thing called the Virtual Media Center. It lets you see like. Uh, how far exactly away uh, a driver was off his last lap, where the best lap of the race was. It's it's your typical uh, higher analytics, not even analytics, but just uh, more detailed stat leaderboard, live leaderboard uh, for media members to follow during the races. It was not working at all today. I checked it out multiple times during the race. It never changed. It's, it had the truck series logo on the banner. I don't think they could get it to work. I don't know if that's connected to SMT, um, and obviously, SMT is way more needed than that. It would be a higher priority thing. But I also think that that scoreboard is a pretty low data-driven thing. It seems like a more simple thing to set up. I'm going off guesses, uh, educated guesses here. Um, so I don't know. I could be wrong. But uh, I assume that you know maybe that if that's not working, is the SMT data working and do all the teams see it or is only NASCAR seeing it? What's, you know, what, what does that look like here? And will that impact Gateway hosting a cup race in the future? I mean, I don't think you can, I don't think you can, you know. I hope it does, but that pisses off teams. It pisses off everybody. Right. Well, and that was, aspect. so Gustafson made the comment, he apologized to LaJoy that he couldn't help him out more because they couldn't see the data. And I, I, somebody on Twitter made up the great point, you know, other teams managed to, you know, figure it out without the data. And, you know, we've been running the sport for how long without the data. So like maybe, you know, don't rely so much on the data, but uh, yeah. So I think that was, that was certainly an aspect. So I wonder if they'll have the data because of, you know, that outage, maybe the data doesn't exist on Cindric. So, yeah, I mean, We'll just, uh, I guess we'll have to see what happens with that, but it, it just, to me, that one's a little bit harder because you're already turning left, you know, kind of where it's, it's not so obvious that, you know, he was blatantly trying to wreck him and we don't have a reason to why he would have done that. So I just got to prove that you're the more superior Austin and NASCAR. Yeah, there you go. They have something in the war room. But yeah, without without a reason to be like that's you know, that's why he wrecked him or that's why he might have wrecked him. Like it's kinda hard because you can't just say, Oh, he yeah. wrecked him in retaliation for no reason. Like you just can't cry wolf like that. So we'll see um, we'll see what people do. And to um I'm glad you brought it up like you did because I, I've said on the show, I don't know if I was as impressed uh, at Josh Berry as a lot of the um, NASCAR fan base, NASCAR media people. I, I don't know if I was as impressed as the industry was at how he performed in the, his Cup Series start, starts this year, filling in for uh, Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman. Uh, today was a big win for him, looking at Corey LeJoy in that number nine car. Uh, I feel I feel like I'm that actually probably pushed me over the hill more than anything that I think Josh Berry's got what it takes I didn't think he was bad before but I just thought you're in a Hendrick car you know okay you got he got a second place he did it off pit strategy good for him that's second but I feel like that was more of a Gustafson thing 
it's like, oh, he, he had it up front for a while and, uh, you know, something happened, this and that, but he is uh, way more relevant in every single race he ran than Corey LaJoy was today. And Kyle Larson and his team, with the tools they have, and obviously they have Kyle Larson, he's the greatest driver of the current generation. Um, I'll say that for a fact, for sure, uh, that I've seen personally. Uh, and Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels, uh, they got it reversed and got it done and got up to the front. They didn't win. They were on two tires the whole time. They had a gamble, but they did what they could and top five finish. Uh, Corey LaJoy, what do you finish? 30 first 20 21st 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 that's a top yeah. 25 damn it helps yes. other guys wrecked out i think that probably helped their scorecard a little bit well it's it's a bad it's a rough situation because obviously he struggled all day you didn't and but the thing was hendrick didn't really show up today either they didn't bring their best stuff and then of course you don't have the smt data with it um a lot played into it. He obviously he has a couple issues early on. We don't know whether that played an issue throughout the race as well. Um, it, it's just hard to really. A lot of cards were dealt the wrong way for him, so obviously he's going to be frustrated about it, and it's a bad look. But there was a lot of factors, in my opinion, that went in today, today happening at once that kind of led to not such a great run overall in my opinion what do you think those factors were i like i said the they had issues early on in the race we don't know whether that was the factor later on hendrick was a complete miss on the weekend in my opinion okay you're tying it in with just the team yeah and then gotcha. and then not having the data to help improve the car and where the issues were no i should have connected that that's my bad i think i think that is fair yeah, because see my own face so i turned on the lights in here sorry caleb go ahead I, I think that's fair because it wasn't like it wasn't like Hendrick was all running in the top ten all day and LaJoy was thirtieth. Um, they definitely weren't on it like they were when Barry was driving. I also don't think it's like it, you can't necessarily rule off of one start. Um, but unfortunately for LaJoy, like that's all he's probably gonna get. So uh it's kind of, you know, unfortunate for him, but uh, you know, I, I was more impressed with Hosevar. Um, he, uh, you know, like he's had his issues in, in the truck series and stuff. Um, that's made me look at him and, you know, think questionable stuff. But, um, he, you know, he, he out-qualified LaJoy and then was outrunning LaJoy for most of the day until, uh, unfortunately, he succumbed to the the brake pad or the brake rotor, excuse me, um, that, you know, a bunch of other drivers, you know, had issues with, but he, he was, he was fast. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into the brake thing in one side. The only other thing I wanted to say is, uh, the common public and, and NASCAR fans and, and fans of normal sports. I think we've talked about a few, we talked about the JR a little bit, but you don't understand how much luck goes into some of these things. Like Ricky Stenhouse was having a fantastic day today. If he finishes top 10, top five, and climbs the standings even more, uh, he looks far less like an underdog and more like, a, okay, they're having a pretty good season. And today impacted that a lot. It's 1 15th of the point standings, right? So just in the same vein as that, like, 
Osivar running really, really well is going to come off really well for his brand. And LaJoya running really poorly is going to be very poor on his name. And for better or worse, you know, you hope that the people are putting that are making these decisions are putting context behind it. But sometimes people are going to remember Carson Hosevar today in December, and they probably won't remember Corey LaJoy, at least from this race. So it's hard to because is that fair? No, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we know all the other factors that go into it too. Ultimately, you know, it's who's got the money to follow along with them too. So, you know, odds are if a team's looking at either LaJoy or Hosevar, the first question they're going to ask is who's going to bring more money with. Um, and, you know, if they were both to show up with the same amount of money, then you'd have to look at that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just – to me it was impressive on, on what Hosevar did in the equipment that he was in. Um, but, again, like – host of our mentioned too he currently doesn't even have a job for next year so um <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out but they always say you know you have to be talented you have to be fast equipment and you have to have the luck and you know like we've seen bubba wallace has had multiple uh top five finishes in a row and you know had a strong run going today probably was only going to get a top 10 instead of a top five but you know he had the brake rotor issue too and so that ruined his day it just it's it sucks for some of those guys and and we've seen guys's career and off of that because despite them being you know more talented than what the results show at the end of the day the team looks and says we you know just didn't have the finishes so they boot them yeah like like michael and that exactly like that good kill yeah or or you can even go further too and like the sponsorships up uh one that always oh don't even get me started we're gonna get to it we'll we'll get into that well but what i think of too was like reed Sorensen. reed Sorensen was leading the point standings and got booted from the ride so uh there's there's just so many like factors that play into how you know life goes on in motorsports really Right. So this rotor issue, you know, we've, we've seen wheels coming off. We've seen tons of stuff like that. Um, whatever NASCAR. So what did NASCAR do to the cars um, that caused them to shift this week far more than they were shifting last year here? And that, that I understand, how I understand it is a product of the brake rotors failing because you're entering the corner at higher speeds. So that's putting more pressure on that, that right front brake. That's how I understood it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. So I'm assuming it it was a package deal because this year's short track package is different than last year's. So I'm assuming it has to do something with that because they were going higher speeds in the turn. And they even stated in the race that this is on the short track package. I believe so. I wouldn't think it is. Why? It's like a mile and a quarter, right? I don't know. I was, I, that was my guess. No, I don't think this is their short track package. They talk about that and it's six races and one of them's on dirt. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know then. Cause, Cause they don't, they run intermediate at Phoenix too. Um, yeah. I mean, f- even Phoenix was different this year than it was last year. Wasn't yeah, it? I mean, they could have made adjustments to that other package. I, I don't remember it. I don't know. 
if it was a product of something else or I, but something changed to where they were shifting more this weekend. We were talking about shifting. Yeah. That was I, a big highlight. And the only time, only time we just, that I remember talking about shifting are really at Martinsville. Yeah. I, they did say though, that the explanation for the issues was with higher speeds and then harder braking, it was like doing more cycles than what the brakes were used to. So that's why there was like multiple brake failures. Well, the issue, the issue too is gateway has such long straightaways and you're going so fast on the straightaways. And so in the corner, the brakes are getting super, super hot because you're going super fast. So you're slamming on the brakes, you're braking because it's, those are tight corners with them. As you're going down the straightaway, the brakes actually have time to cool off. And so what's happening is they're going through this process of getting super hot and then cold, and then I shouldn't say cold, but cooler, and then hot, then cooler, and hot, and cooler, and hot, and cooler. And what happens with that stuff, I mean, if you think about normal metal, you know, as you're doing that multiple times, you're just weakening that. So, um, it's, it's something that they're definitely going to have to look at because it was, uh, you know, an issue with what, four, five, four cars, I believe four, four. So, um, you know, that's three too many for, um, thank you. Thank you for deeply explaining my statement. <laughs> Sorry, you guys are good. I was looking at USAC, it's Indiana Midget Week. So they're, I think, starting soon, but I hooked up and trying to connect to the internet on my phone because it's being dumb. Um, you guys have anything yeah, else for NASCAR race? We got to talk about Kyle Bush winning for the third time uh, for RCR already. Yeah, so I think they said uh, most wins since 2019 when he got his five at JGR. So um, uh, they've haven't been, you know, a, a dominant car, but they have definitely showed up to a couple different races and um, been super fast. So it's, I think they're going to be a strong championship contender. I think obviously. today they had a dominant car. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that'd be fair to say, I just like, they're not one that you, you know, like no Larson at North Wilkesboro or, you know, like they just haven't been the absolute strongest. Like you oh, mentioned like guy. one of the three Bloomquist house kickings we've seen in the past three years. I know, but it's, you're holding them to a high bar. Well, it's, it's just not one of those that like we knew, you know, on the final restart, like, Kyle Bush has this absolutely in the bag. He's going to run away. Like they, there was a chance that somebody could have beat him. Like he just wasn't like ultra faster than everybody else, but he, he was strong. And uh, we've seen that a couple times from him this year. Um, I think he's going to be a strong contender if they can keep it through one that still sticks in my mind is Joey Logano, where they haven't necessarily had the speed but they end up there at the end of the race and if they keep doing that um it's going to get them further than they should be so um i think that's one obviously the hendrick cars will be strong um but i do have one nascar topic that isn't on our list and i won't the only other thing we've got too mm -hmm. that i think we should bring up um 
just briefly. So Ross Chastain gets into McDowell. Um, I'm under the impression, I think it was mostly a racing deal where, again, just it comes back to Chastain. Sorry. Just ultra aggressive. Yeah. So the what I want to talk about with that, I was kind of taking notes as the race went on for that one. I had everything else before that. Uh, I got to do better with rundowns because Caleb takes them very seriously. Not, not in a bad way. I just didn't know you would go word for word on it. I love it. So as far as what? Oh, just it's probably on me. Honestly, it's how my brain thinks. So like, I, I remembered I wrote down Ross Chastain's name and something happened with McDowell. But the bigger question I had in my mind about it was just on there's a contingent of people out there also. And I, I'm such a hypocrite already on this episode. Screw you, Caleb. Uh, not your fault, but uh, there's a contingent of people out there that think that Justin Marks, when he said, we're going to have a talk with him, we had a talk with him, he's going to dial it back, this and that, just to have a response to uh, Rick Hendrick. Um, they, they think that they're actually pulling him back, and I don't think you're doing that. That is not how race car drivers think. They go out there and they do their thing. There is no, I'm going to go out there this race and purposely try to not wreck anybody. Like no one has that in their mindset. They want to go fast. They want to go ahead of other cars and they want to go win. And however they approach that and whatever they need to be told, there is not a, let's dial it back to 85% today. That is not why Ross Chastain has been slow. He just hasn't been as good. And that can be the answer. I think, I think it's worked a little bit. Um, he doored Eric Almarola in three and four for like 25th and then still got passed by him two laps later because he wasn't the faster car and it just didn't work for him. When was that? Uh, 25 to go, 30 to go. Oh, it, was that, it was in that big smear of every caution you could ever think about in a red flag to repair a wall because we got brake rotors exploding. No, I think it... I think he has dialed it back some just on the aggression standpoint. And I think it probably has affected him a little bit speed wise. I'm not going to say it's, you know, everything, but I did think it was interesting that, you know, the last couple weeks we haven't said his name because he hasn't bulldozed anybody over, but he also hasn't been super fast. So it's, it's been very interesting, but uh, yeah, this is another one where, again, it's like kind of a, just a racing incident, but probably still too much aggression for it was like, what, lap 60 or whatever. Like it was it was so early on in the race still. And it's just one of those things where, like, he needs to learn to be more patient because it it probably wasn't the worst thing in the world. That's like a, that's like a normal oopsies for a driver. But when you've had 12 incidents so far this year, it's it's not a normal oopsie. I mean, you've had and, 11 oopsies the 12 uh, days. <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, so <clears throat> and that's what I've talked about before is now it's like every time he does something like this would be an example. Every time he does something, we're going to be Oh, that's Ross Chastain doing Ross Chastain things. We and already did that. We already we've done that for the past well, yeah. few years. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. But like, and, and this is one of those stances. For better or worse, by the way. Yeah, it probably wasn't the worst thing in the world that happened today. But now he's just got that track record. So 
it's it, it looks bad because again he's had i mean i i it stuck out to me so much when fox did the thing and i was it jamie mcmurray that asked him he said in the last nine races you've had nine incidents and ross just goes oh i must have missed a couple you know like you just own up to that's 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 horrible like at a professional motorsports level if you're hitting a a hundred percent incident ratio like that's not good so that's not something that you like want to have but the last couple weeks you know he's been slower but he also hasn't wrecked anybody so so with the uh risk that i basically act as a hypocrite again um just thinking back to like chase elliott this week and people pissed off that he didn't make this big apology letter uh I, I don't necessarily care if you release a statement as an apology. I don't care if you say you're sorry or not. I, I'm, we're not dating race car drivers. Sorry to me and Caleb. Uh, we are fans watching the race. I could care less if they say sorry. Bubba, I mean, Bubba Wallace probably has to say sorry to save a little face because there's so many people out there that just don't like him for that one reason that I won't say. You can pretend that that's different. There's a contingent of people out there. You can pretend they're not on Twitter or that they are on Twitter a lot. And there's burner accounts, blah, blah, blah. Don't really care, but that he gets that. He probably needs to make that apology to save face in that situation. I I didn't think Chase Elliott really needed to say, sorry. I, you know, I would expect him to text any Hamlin, sorry, say something when things cool down. I don't really care what he says. And I don't necessarily care that Ross Chastain has, usually never said sorry i what i want to see is if you're doing this on a rotational basis that we're talking about you a lot and you're getting your own basically fox propaganda commercial about and that's that one was not political guys that was fox propaganda he wrecked like six people in six weeks and they're like we got to do a big glowing story about ross fasting and how he's taking over the sport you want to say you're good for ratings well have some personality when people are talking to you take into account what they're asking and answer the question that's what i want to see out of that so i feel maybe i sound like a hypocrite right now let me know if i do um because it's a fascinating discussion about what we expect people to say after these things and i just expect like someone to have ross just watch 10 hours of wwe from like pick three or four random episodes from 2000 to 2014 and just see if anyone see if he picks up on a quote and see if anyone notices exercise i agree with you on the second part as far as the rest chastain stuff i i'm not over here super super upset that chase elliott didn't do an apology however i do think it looks bad um for a couple different reasons I think, again, we're talking about you're sending a dude head on into the wall and you basically are arrogant about it. Like just not even that, but he thanked everybody for their support, basically like taking almost a victim stance on it. Like, oh, here's here's that part of it, though, like with the precedent NASCAR is set, if you say anything at all convictionalizing yourself you're i mean you're giving them the penalty you're saying yeah i did it boom 
So you can, either, you can either try to say that you didn't do it on purpose and not look like a dick, or just say like, yeah, I hate Denny Hamlin. He's wrecked me before. Yeah, I, and maybe maybe Chase's standpoint still is that he didn't wreck him on purpose. That's the, what he's the angle that he's trying to play. But I, the penalty was already announced. Hendrick was not going to appeal it. So like, if Hendrick's not going to fight it, it, it kind of tells you something. And uh, it just it just came off super arrogant that you know that happens. And it's because I've seen some of his fans even that were pretty put off by him not acknowledging it and basically just saying oh poor me come check me out at the napa store like so like i said it was just a normal tweet that he was gonna send anyway it wasn't supposed to be an apology that was just the next tweet that was scheduled i guarantee yeah but it it probably got scheduled after but that's that was not meant to be he wasn't gonna release a statement uh about why here's the thing If, if it didn't include the context of and I don't know what he had said right before that or whatever, but he included the context of, you know, thanks for everybody's support this week and blah, blah, blah. Like, so either lean into it or don't at all, but don't just brush it off. And, you know, you can't, like, if you're going to say, come check me out at the Napa store, then everybody can go, oh, that was a scheduled t- tweet. Uh, they're, you know, just not acknowledging it, blah, blah, blah. But you can't just kind of look over your shoulder and, you know, give a little wink and then, you know, keep walking. It just, you gotta either lean into it or completely ignore it. <clears throat> yeah, I, so. just, I just don't care about written statements whatsoever. I get it. And like I said, you know, I'm not like- I, I get it like for, for a fact <laughs> case, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Um, and obviously, like I'm a level of care, in my opinion. Like that's it. Just it it shows it shows what your mentality is on it. I guess so. Um, what's going to happen is Chase is either going to apologize to Denny at some point through word of mouth over text in a conversation before driver intros. Um, unless George Russell is there, then everyone's day is going to be ruined. Uh. Somewhere along the way, they're going to figure it out and they're going to be fine. Or Denny Hamlin's going to see Chase coming up and he might throw a move that he wouldn't throw on another driver because Chase doesn't care how about Denny's health. So why should Denny care about Chase's? And maybe he'll bump and run him on the last lap at uh, any insert any racetrack, Phoenix, I don't, whatever. That'd be right. It'd be I, we're going to have to save this video and clip it if that happens. But. Uh, you know, I, it, that might happen too. So it's, I think it all, that kind of stuff will figure itself out. I just think if you're in a wreck every week and making enemies every week that you might as well own it and, and do that stuff. So. Right. Final thing that I wanted to bring up real quick before we move on to IndyCar. Um, the, the, the Jeb Burton versus Chandler Smith deal. Yeah. you. Um, so whenever I woke up to read that text, I got back here. Um, I'll talk about Knoxville. I, I got back here. It was like 4 30 uh, AM. So I was, or, no, it wasn't. It was, I worked for like an hour after getting back, but I got to bed around 4 30. Uh, Basically, I woke up in the middle of the morning at like 7.45 and I look at my phone and I see a thing from Caleb and it said, got that story coming on Burton Smith. I go, what? I'm like, is he talking about the SMI, like Burton Smith? Like what? 
I know when what I happened said that, with that. And I was so confused. And then it happened again because I had forgotten about it. I went back to sleep, woke back up. I you sent the message like, hey, that story's ready. And I went back up and I go, why do you spell it Burton Smith? What what happened with this? <laughs> you threw me for a loop completely. But Jeb Burton and uh, Chandler Smith are fighting uh, because Jeb tried to punch him, said he kicked the crap out of him on Twitter. Uh, it made very uh, not cancelable, not anything, uh, maybe some, but pretty like aggressive uh, statements to say. And Chandler Smith put a video package together uh, that basically said, you didn't even hit me. Yeah, it was, because uh, so, Obviously, uh, basically on track, you know, something had to have happened because Chandler tried to wreck him like three times and I, Chandler's not just going to go do that just for, no, he's a man, he's a man of God. Yeah. But anywho, um, I'm pretty sure Chandler Smith got shipped on a restart. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, it, it, there, there was obviously something because he wasn't just going to do that for his own enjoyment. Like, there's just no reason for that. So he uh, tried, and I don't agree with the fact. Like, if you if you try to wreck somebody once and you don't move on, you know. But you're saying don't he, move on. No, I'm saying move on. <laughs> but um. <laughs> So he tries, tries, finally, you know, sends him through the grass or whatever. Jeb says, I'm going to break his nose after the race. And so then they, after the race, they go to their car, you know, Jeb, I think went to Chandler's car and um, they're having a heated talk. And then Jeb shoves Chandler and you can basically see no hits really land. Um, but then after his interview to front stretch, um, Jeb says, you know, just talks it up about how he just whacked him in the head three times and he just knocked him silly and, you know, just talking up being a big man to himself and, uh, then goes on to Twitter and continues just throwing trash out there. Um, and, and to be honest, I was talking to them earlier today. He did the same thing with Kligerman where, uh, you know, Kligerman made him upset and he went in and threw a fit, but then he went to Twitter and sat and just was a absolute crybaby on Twitter. Um, and, and just didn't stop. And his tweets, I, I almost want to pull them up, but he was talking about, you know, don't mess with a cowboy or whatever. Like it, he just was trying to make him seem like he was just the absolute man. And he just knocked him silly and sent him the infield care center and all this stuff. And Chandler didn't really like say anything. The only thing he responded back was uh, a video of the fight quote unquote um was, here's a meme video designed to make jeb look really dumb and it, oh, yeah it's it, I mean, it, but here's the thing like there's no other better response than if you're gonna start saying a whole bunch of things no like, that's what i want for an apology i want meme videos i want this to be the normal like it's a good it so well put together like how, hats off to whoever did that um i'll, I'll talk to dylan coyle he uh he works for Pollock now and Chandler Smith. Maybe he had a hand in that, or he knows who we can tell a good job to. So I, I would like yeah. to do a job to them. 
but you you know it's good when like one guy is out saying this happened this happened and this happened and all you have to do is post the video you don't have to say anything he didn't say oh well if you look here he didn't even punch me he just posted the video and everybody was like oh so he didn't actually punch you and he goes on to start like talking crap about Chandler's wife and it just it's disrespectful and he thought he was cool and he thinks he's this big old macho man and it it just makes him look like a child to be real honest so uh that's kind of my my rant for the week yeah so he um caleb sent me that story sent over google docs so i gotta get caleb a login for our website we're doing that should be ready tomorrow is what i was told uh that's good so there's a tweet in there. The tweets didn't want to format right. So if you clicked on that article early, I apologize. Kind of my fault. Um, so was that tweet deleted? That he or was it a reply tweet? Oh, it was a reply tweet. <laughs> okay, because it didn't come up when I was searching his name and everything, and I figured that was the only reason that I would miss that. So he replied to a picture of a, a young baby crying. And so why do you think he's crying at Chandler Smith's dad or something like that along those lines? Oh, that one I don't think exists anymore. But no. Oh, oh. so I think I know what you're talking about. So um, do you want me to look? I, I don't know if I I'm can. Looking, I'm looking right now. So okay. um, he had tweeted, cheers to the 27 fans. My guys work way too hard to be wrecked for no reason, yada, yada, yada. And, of course, people started responding and – um, somebody said, ran him down into the wall, then mad that he dumped your talentless bleep. Uh, talk about only having a ride because of last whoa, whoa. What do you say? Don't bleep stuff on my show. Ass. He said talentless ass. ass. I just, my whole thing, I'll get, I'll get to that. So yeah. then, then Jeb says, I ran him down because he drives like a tool bag. He got three fists in his head because of it. Have a good night. Don't mess with the country boy. You will get the fist. Big man who didn't land a punch. But anywho. Um, no, before, you, said, before you started talking about, like at the start, I was like, yeah, this sounds like the guy I want to have a beer with that he's somehow still up at 425 and wants to like hit each other in the head with a piece of two by four. Uh, but like super nice guy after you get him off that train of wanting to do that. It sounds like that guy, but it like the more and more that you go into it, it's like, geez, man, like you can't say that. And you, well, yeah, it's stupid, it's stupid to say it. It's dumb, dumber to think it, uh, that a kid crying in a photo is setting you off somehow. So then, uh, this is where I think what you're talking about or whatever, but so somebody goes, bro, he has no marks on him. You're literally a clown. You live off your last name and constantly bitching about somebody. You're worse than a woman at this point, which always race day does not agree with the statement above. Um, good, good, job. Legal, good legal claim, Dick Caleb. Nice job. <laughs> There's, plenty of jobs. <laughs> There's plenty of jobs in the racing world, but driving isn't for you, homie. And then Jeb says, ask his wife why she's crying. You're hitting a child. She knows what he is. And I think that's probably the grossest tweet out of all of them because it's that, like, is that like insinuating that? There's it, it, it's the just household that, domestic that, violence issue with the guy that you're arguing with on the racetrack. It's, it's personal. It's it, that's just personal. Like you, 
it, it just is it's so childish there um, is the other side where like i mean that could be just like psychopath that we don't see but like the chances of that in the context that we're given one in fifteen thousand at least like I don't, I don't even know if it's appropriate that I put a number on that. So sorry to anyone that would be offended by that. I'm trying to say it's kind of a crazy situation that those words were exchanged. That makes sense. Right. So then uh, Couch Racer, who's kind of became more popular lately, but they he had said... and we're still, was, we're still referring to the he and Couch Racer, Couch Racer as Couch Racer. We can do that. No, that's fine. That's fine. What do you what do you mean? I don't. Uh, it's, no, it's Couch Racer. Okay. No one knows who it is, so don't ask. Um. So anywho, Couch Racer said we need a replay of Jeb and Chandler, and I almost wonder if like Jeb didn't think the video was gonna come out or something because uh, Jeb responded and just said he felt it. He probably. I, he I honestly like looking at the video. It looked. He probably got somebody else and thought he was hitting. Cam. Do you think we're ever going to reach the time in NASCAR where we can have that almost cartoonish, like uh, if you know the TV show Recess, where there was that was that famous gift from Recess? I don't know, but there's a circle of people and it's a one-on-one -on -one fight, and no one's going to break it up until you need to. Like that doesn't happen anymore, and it almost feels uh neanderthalish to suggest but it's like can we give guys space and also give tv camera space and you know any journalists in the area can we give them the circle and then you gotta fight through them to get to the one-on-one -on -one fight if you're an employee of either team i think that'd be fair i don't know i just uh it ended it ended with uh chris rice putting jeb burton in a headlock which I, I think is the funniest thing of all that is Jeb, you know, talking all this crap and really he was the one that ended up in a headlock. So, and another hypocritical thing for me, good for Chris Rice. Awesome. Like I, Way to be up there to defend your driver. So I yeah. had a couple uh, weeks ago, um, this guy was mad at uh, Chase Randall. I think it was Joby Miller. Uh, threw his steering wheel at him on the track at Knoxville. And the cops roll up to Chase's pit, and Chase is a pretty level-headed kid. He'll be pissed about it for a sec, and after that, it's like the next time he gets in a race car, you know his mind is going to be on racing and going fast. And he's not—it's not, not going to affect him, whatever. Uh, and the cops walk up to Chase's dad, and he's a little blue-collar working machine. Guy's funny as hell. Uh, probably like five nine, uh, one twenty. 130. I could be undersizing him a little bit, but not the biggest guy ever. Uh, and he's from Texas and he's part of a Texan. Uh, and the cops walk up and they're like, you know, we'll, uh, we'll just hang around and, you know, make sure. And he goes, we don't need you. We're good. We're ready for him. It's fine. Let him come over here. It's, it's all good to us. And it, I mean, it's funny to see. So props to uh, Chris Rice for defending his driver and seeing that. Other than that, I think uh, we'll move um, on to the To, to oh. be fair, it was not Chris Wright that put him in a headlock, according to the video. That Screw I saw. off to Chris Wright. Rice, <sighs> Why weren't you there putting him in a headlock? Who put him in the headlock? Because it looked like Chris Rice when someone I saw the video. Said, I remember it's someone tweeted that suit. too. Huh? It's, a bigger, it's a bigger dude in a suit that works for Chandler Smith. I 
don't know who, but there was a like Chris Rice was talking to him afterwards, like yelling at him. But like it looked, according to the video, it looks like some dude that was wearing a fire suit had him in a headlock. Oh, uh, I I thought when I first saw the video, I guess I had made that. I no, he... it is a guy in like a fire suit. So it's uh, a guy someone someone said it on Twitter, and I might have even shared it with the group chat. So I don't blame you for thinking that. But yeah, well, that's see, good research, Josh. We, fuck, fundamental fundamental <laughs> job on this. We show. want to change that then on our. We want to change yeah, that. I just, oh, I just, it. Yeah, I was just looking through it because I wanted to see if I found more information, and I just saw that video send the, of send the video to the group chat. Okay, so. Oh crap! Where was I going? I don't know. We were about to talk about IndyCar. I know. I was going to connect it to IndyCar. Oh boy! I know. This is bad. Oops. I'll probably think about it later. Um. So IndyCar today, Alex Pillow, uh, in a racetrack, a very tight, technical, super, super skinny racetrack, uh, dominated. But he dominated on a racetrack that he called too small too ridiculous, too tight, uh, whatever the three words he said, I'm kind of paraphrasing. But he criticized, he had harsh criticisms of the track after practice and qualifying. And wow, IndyCar somehow, even when you didn't think it was possible, uh, they got through today with a somewhat chaotic, but still fun race kind of a period with a little too many cautions where you're like, ah, this is getting kind of slow. Didn't amount to anything that we saw at Gateway because uh, they had like six in a row. Um, but IndyCar today, another spectacular race for what they were doing. And the pit road thing went off without a hitch. I win my bet. No, nothing, nothing bad happened on pit road. Suck on that, everyone doubting me, doubting IndyCar. Now, we should put in the context that we totally did not know how pit road was going to work. And we thought they were going to turn around. And no, you thought they were going to turn around. You did. did you not correct me? Why didn't you correct me? I'm pretty sure I recall saying that it was a split pit lane. Don't act like that's like a term that you just say and everyone knows what's going on. Cause that's not like a normal it's thing. A, a split pit lane is a little bit more self-exploitatory than a go around pit road. They didn't have arrows or a graphic or anything when we were talking about it. So I, I thought they were going in one way out the other, and then they were all going to go to the same X, but it made more sense uh, after we saw it in practice and nothing bad happened. They, they were all good. Uh, I think Santino Ferrucci might've missed his pit cause that, Pit stall was really tight on the corner. I wish they would move that stall to the end of the line or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, to to their credit, they uh, they made that work. I I thought it was a hell of a race. I think Alex Palou is on a damn tear right now. Uh, I I don't know if this summer is going to be filled with. Yeah, we can appreciate Alex Palou, and that's the end of the story. And he's really fast and really good and really good for IndyCar. Or, if we're gonna get into this uh, pissing match about who has his contract rights and uh, who's posting press releases. I think he falls in the perfect category of Chiv Ganassi is they're not like this outstanding 
like talent that blows the field out week in week out just enough like even when you don't have the best day you're still there when it I matters thought, i thought today they kind of blew everyone out of the water yeah. soft green tires like that that helped will power get by him but there was no shot after well yeah so like obviously today was his day but like in general like even like last week obviously had a really fast car had issues re- rally back finished well and that's where i think like the scott dixon's like that category comes into play obviously erickson's doing it because he's up there in the points battle like it's just chip ganassi is known to be very consistent even when like they don't have the best car and i think like he had the best car today but last week was a prime example of like things didn't go his way but he was there when it mattered Connor's going to lose his mind, but the track almost did remind me of like a, a better Monaco, like just the way that how tight it was. And, and the, no, that's good for IndyCar. We do Monaco better here. It was a lot of pat, prime passing opportunities. So you had the long straightaways that kind of set up to ver like push the pass. So what, I, what I was enthralled with in that was I showed the the driver's view, Josh, to a few drivers at Knoxville that I thought would appreciate the technicality of it. And all of them were perplexed at how you were going to fit two cars into any corner that wasn't coming to the straight or coming off the straight. There was sometimes they put three wide. I do. It was nuts. Like also like, and we'll get to Rosenquist and stuff, but like the amount of just, we're going to force it. We're going to do it. And they got through it. And it goes back to that. This IndyCar car field is better than any, any Indy car field that we've seen. I think Stingray Rob is a very talented race car driver. He's still a rookie. He's making rookie mistakes, but he wants to get after it. And I've seen him be fast. I've seen him be talented. Uh, I don't think he sucks by any means. Some people were getting that on Twitter today too. We got to stop bringing up these Twitter comments because we're, we're feeling most, mostly on me. I'll knock on my own head. Uh, but it, like, if you want to call him the worst driver in the series, that's a pretty damn good series. He'd be the ninth he, best. He'd be the ninth best Formula One driver. I guarantee it. He was pretty stout in the Indy Next series too. Like, he, like he, we've seen that he can run up front in yeah, other series. I, can we call it Indy Lights? Again? <laughs> I, I still say Indy Lights. It's the worst. This is. I've not had a brand. This is the first year. I've not had a brand change that it took me like half the year, and I'm still like, can we just go back to this? Like what? It. it I was saying Indy Lights up until about this year. I don't talk about the world of outlaws and talk. I don't mention NOS. Everything sponsor aligned. They just changed the name. There's no, there's no light company that was sponsoring the series and there's no NXT WWE wrestling that is now sponsoring it. And everyone in racing, can we please stop putting the letter X anywhere that isn't directly after an E? Okay, the Extreme Outlaw series does not need the X. I promise, looks really dopey. As well as in the NXT without the E, it needs the E. Put the what e about in. SRX? All right, they're fine. No, wait. Oh, no, 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 no. That's still an E. That's experience. Okay, but SRX, the logo- I feel like it works because it's, it's a three-letter acronym. I don't know. I'm being very particular and very hypocritical. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> stupid. 
All right, uh, we got to talk about Rosenquist and or shoot, that's uh, Pelos point lead. He's like fifty points up on the field. Yeah. Yep. At this point, people need him to have a bad day. It went. It went from six points to fifty in one race. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Newgarden lost ground. Every. I mean, everyone lost ground because the points leader won the race, right? That yeah. Happened, but. There's a lot of seasons was, left. I don't think it's over by any means. Um, especially with you look at what Felix Rosenquist has done. Look, he's tenth in points right now. Uh, that's almost miraculous to think about. Uh, he just yeah. The no double Indy five hundred. Get in about Felix, but I'm not going to. Well, oh, let's no. We're going to talk Felix anyways. I are you going to tear him up? I uh, I like the guy. I love him. I love having him on McLaren. He he has the tendency to draw bad luck, which obviously not his fault, but also kind of step on his dick a lot. He's like the Colton Herder in my opinion. Yeah, I talk about doing that. He he had a late race, dropped three spots on accident corner, uh, which yeah sucks for Colton. Which led to him getting his nose ripped off too. Yeah, he's he's a very well capable driver. I think the Indy Championship stuff was brought on his rumors that he wanted to go F1 racing and Andretti wants to go F1 racing, so he's supposed to be on a bigger pedestal now. I don't even know if we should want that for IndyCar or not. I'd love to keep him in the series. I'd love to keep him here. I'd love if people saw the damn good racing that IndyCar is putting on. They've had seven, six races. Yes. Seven races. Six. Is it six? Actually, no, this was seven. This was seven, no. Okay, good. I thought I made a mistake in the tweet that day. So, like, literally, there hasn't been a bad race. Today was the worst race of the year, and people called it spectacular. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of drama filled that led to it being the exciting race that it was. I think... um, and to go back to your point about feeling, I think Rosenquist is slowing Rossi down a little bit. I think if he lets him go, I think Rossi has a better chance of getting up to first, but we'll keep in mind Rossi was second and lost all those spots. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is that maybe Rosenquist is just faster. Yeah. I, I definitely think Rosenquist, I mean, he's been a, with the team longer, so I think he's got the more experience. He's a little bit more comfortable than what Rossi is. Well, now, you're giving, now you're giving him a advantage. So you're, you're saying that they're basically the same driver. I think once Rossi gets into a rhythm, he will be better. Cause right now, according to the points, Rossi is better. Well, but I keep in mind there's been Rossi twice this year that Rossi, Rossi is an Indy 500 winner, and that that tells everything about a driver, right? That's so yeah. weird, man. Like people watch. I promise you, this isn't just. I don't hate F1. I hate that F1 fans for the past decade have been tearing apart IndyCar as well as the FIA, which runs Formula One, that views IndyCar as a shitty low tier minor league series. I think it's insulting, especially if you look at the talent of the drivers and I hate people buying into propaganda. That's probably the main point of why I don't like formula one. I promise you go give IndyCar a shot, pick a driver that you want to cheer for. And I guarantee you their personality is out there because they they're so open 
and all of them are good dudes. And I don't know. I, I just hope we find something to where ratings can go up because that's kind of the magic slice of pie that the magic number everyone's chasing. And it doesn't seem to correlate with marketing and uh, the actual racing product on track and uh, anything really. It's puzzling to me at this point. So now the, the rain delay today, best rain delay of all time in motorsports. Rain delay. Yeah, well, lightning delay. They lightning. So there was no, there's nothing to clean up. It was just, we're going to put the NASCAR race on a lightning climb. And it did not start until like five minutes after post race interviews for the IndyCar race ended. It was insane. It, it lined up very well. It was That's the crazy video that Noah Gregson launched a football from pit road to like row 15 of the grandstands. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, Bubba Wallace used to do that all the time. They I know, but football, this yeah. was from pit road. Like he launched this thing. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I had, we had IndyCar on the TV for a bit, so I missed a little bit of the rain delay coverage, but most of it was just them in the Fox sports booth, right? Yeah. I don't know if that was then, a lightning they, delay. They were also video calling drivers, and it was horrible. Because yeah, just go out and talk. I guess I don't know if you can with the lightning hold or what, but I don't know why you wouldn't. Because they were underneath, like their what are they called? Well, there's Boxes. a steel They're catch pit. fence going around the entire racetrack. So if the lightning was going to hit it, it would have hit it already. Right, and they were like, and the, the drivers were in their pit boxes too. So it's not like they were cut like covered by any means but like at one point they lost connection with martin truex jr they couldn't like stay like they like wanted to ask reddick one more question he got cut off like it was just it was not a good look yeah that and you know that happens um it, but that lightning delay kicked the crap I, two years ago i was in jackson minnesota for the jackson nationals world of outlaws uh big event on their schedule uh me and my buddy josh uh he does some stuff with our website josh girl like if you guys know him um we were staying in this hotel and they rained out saturday of so we we're there thursday friday and then saturday they rained out uh so we're staying in the hotel an extra night nothing to do saturday it's just raining it's brutal watching this for the race or something or i think there's i think it was a cup race at pocono they were doing a double header uh so we watch that go to the track sunday get hot laps done get qualifying in or whatever they needed to do i don't know if they even qualified that day i don't know what the format was um and this dude comes on uh the microphone at the racetrack and tells the fans that we need to thank the lord jesus christ uh, for delivering all the rain that was delivered to Jackson, Minnesota on Saturday. And this is day 11 of a eight race and 10 day span. And I'll tell you, I've never been pissed off so much at some guy I don't know for saying something in my ear. It's the absolute worst. I mean, no, like post prayer message or something. I, I have no idea. But I still remember it. Josh brought it up last week, so I'm bringing it up here. Uh, but just absolute worst. Don't think we're not thanking anyone for rain. You can have rain on any day that isn't a race day, um, and it's probably a good time to bring up that through the rest of the month of June, um, I believe, and I'm just fact checking here. 
there's only three days through the rest of June uh, that we don't have races written down on our schedule. So we'll just fill in the gaps. We'll go on a 30 day bender. Back to our Indy car. We can. I just, I mean, yeah, I don't know how else to highlight it. Um, it was a bad day for me to be a racing fan today between. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you reminded me of this too. I'm forgetting a lot of yeah. stuff today. Uh, Pato, I think I'm as far out on Pato right now as I've ever been in my life. I, I think is... he summed it up in his interview very well that with having pushed the pass being disabled because he was a lap down. So he felt that he had to make that move because if you look at the replay, Polo was the next car behind him. So I guess he thought ultimately that like he had to make that pass for his race to stay alive. And I'm obviously looking biased trying to defend him. Um, but I think the way he described it was very well, but once again, like he's very much obviously known, especially the last two weeks of pushing his car to the point of breaking. And this two weeks in a row now he's, he's just choked essentially. And it breaks my heart. It does, but it's the, I truth. don't think it's even like pushing your car. Cause that's what people got on Colton Herta about. And last season and it, yeah. I mean, that was mileaging out an engine that was a issue with well yeah i think they're more referring to like the the, the nashville incidents where he's he just to chase down erickson he's just pushing his point his car to the point where you're gonna go into the wall or you're gonna take someone into the wall with you um and connor daly said something similar after the 500 about like i, I don't know why paddle made that move because the only result was you're going to crash or Marcus is going to crash with you. Uh, and he's he, in his mind in Connor Daly's mind, at least, um, I don't have a strong opinion on, but he said, Marcus held his line. I don't know what Pat was trying to do. Um, there's just nothing you can do about that. So I, for as good as Pato has been and has shown, uh, he seems, he seems like a oval guy. And we'll wait to see what he does the rest of the year on street circuits, I guess. I don't know. Like, I like that. I think he's fine. I think he's good. I don't think he has championship season under his belt this year. No, I, I was confident in it. And it seems after the last two weeks, it's pretty far out there. Unless Polo has some major issues. Because if Polo has issues, then it bunches the entire top seven up but right I mean, pato could go win it iowa twice this is so. true i'd love to see that now joseph newgarden is absolutely going to win both iowa races but i feel i think they're going to split them again but yeah split them again like like the normal happenings of last year that joseph newgarden just happened to have a breakage in his car Sure. in the corner I, yeah yeah we'll see we'll see Pato was very strong there. and he's been strong too he's been strong at road courses I don't think he's a one-trick pony or anything by any means um actually maybe how I worded that I maybe made it sound like that um I just don't think he has that finishing the race clutch gene uh in him right now so we'll see uh, a lot of season left more than half the season there's no double points in D500. There's 
we got to wait and see what happens. Very young years so far, still a lot of races left. All right, you guys want to talk some dirt real quick? Let's do it. Caleb, I need your thoughts. What did you think of Jake Swanson's last lap pass last night? Oh, don't do that to me. So Jake Swanson, uh, I met him down in Tulsa. Uh, he's racing for Alex Bowman, uh, but met him at the Chili Bowl. Very nice guy. His girlfriend is fantastic as well, um, but very like deserving race car driver that kind of came from not much. Uh, Brady Bacon comes into this race. Last time they held it was 2020, I believe. Uh, and it was another, you know, USAC's here. Uh, we're going to do everything in our power to get this race in. We had a long rain delay. When we got, when I got done at the racetrack, done with interviews and walking back to the campground uh, where I was staying at that night, uh, we sat down. It was 4.15 in the morning. And we were still racing. So that, I mean, cool night. Brady Bacon won the race by like six and a half seconds, I want to say. There was no one touching him that night. The top six were faster than the rest of the 50 car field. It was not a field like that this year, but the race paid 12,000 to win as opposed to 25 or 20. I think it might've been 20. Uh, it's three years ago. So I'm hazy on it guys. Uh, but Brady Bacon with nine laps to go was leading by almost two seconds. I want to say almost three seconds. He had his 2.75 or something. He almost got it up to three seconds. Uh, and the caution comes out. So they reset everything. And I think from what Jake said after the race, I think he noticed some rubber in the racetrack about two, three laps into the stint. Um, but he was sitting in fifth, fifth or fourth, uh, and kind of crept his way up there. But from what he was saying is he, he was sliding guys, and then he could slide someone and land the car in the rubber uh, and pick up speed from them. So that's what he was doing. He was just very cognizant of the fact that if you show someone that there's rubber there, it's going to be way harder to pass them. So you got to time out your moves. And that's what he was saying that he did that all the way up to second. And with three laps to go or so, he was like, I think I'm fast enough to catch Brady. I think I'm going to catch him on the last lap. And to, for that, for someone to think that coming to the finish line, have it materialize and then make that last lap pass in the final corner of the racetrack uh, on the guy that's owned Knoxville, like, massive massive deal massive win for jake swanson um and you can call it a strategy win you can call it lucky that the, the track rubbered a little bit sure thing uh but huge win for that team uh i got to talk with his car owner uh last night uh super interesting very nice guy i think he'd be a good podcast guest honestly uh but he he was talking to me about jake and everything and how he came up and all that stuff. So it, very cool to see uh, Jake Swanson win last night. And the we got some breaking news uh, kind of before the race hit that Jake Swanson will be in Alex Bowman's uh, wing sprint car for the rest of the year. Uh, Alex is not going to drive that car um, for the rest of the NASCAR season, I believe. I don't think there was anything from Hendrick. Um, that's my educated guess uh it, alex just maybe doesn't want to take the unnecessary risk i haven't talked to alex i didn't ask jake uh really what alex say to you about it but jake's gonna fill in the rest of the high limit schedule 
and they're going to pick and choose races uh, after that and avoid the USAC, um, what do you call it, double bookings? I, not, no, I it's not double it, bookings. It's not cancellations. Um, it's two things happening at the same time. I think you all know the word I'm talking about, but we'll move on. But Double header? No, that's two games on the same day. We want conflicts. No USAC schedule conflicts. I don't think oh, that's even the word okay. either. But uh, no, so it's fantastic to see Jake win. Got to see him autograph the wall at Dingus uh, far after the race has ended. So that was fun, too. Um, to my knowledge, it was a rough day for the guys that have ran all the races, wasn't it? In USAC? For in general, for both races, if I'm correct. So the Knoxville guys did, they were fine because it was the USAC guys that pulled double duty didn't. Brady Bacon had a failure uh, exit the race early, defending track champion Brian Brown ended up winning the race. Uh, Austin McCarl was close to him. Justin Henderson was had the car to do it and just made him move at the wrong time or in the wrong corner, as he put it, not really at the wrong time. Um, so that, that weekly, the 410 race was, is probably how it was supposed to go. As far as like that, you said that Jake Swanson was not supposed to win that. Um, Kyle Cummins was not supposed to have that much speed, but Kyle Cummins was the upset points leader kind of coming into the race. And now it's tightened up with, uh, Cummins, Brady Bacon and, uh, Jake and Brady, leads the point standings now for that tour so it's all it's all really interesting how it's coming together and and what really matters they they heavily points race jake was jubilant that that race was uh bubby jones the series is called the bubby jones master of going faster and it's like it's like the arca sioux chief showdown it's like the same concept but i think they do it on more of the bigger tracks um, so he's leading the points in that, and they were thrilled about that. So I, the knock on USAC is they don't have their drivers enough. I would agree on without looking at logistics or anything. I'd love to have anyone from USAC uh, tell me that why I'm wrong and explain to me their numbers and stuff like that, but I don't think that will ever happen uh, until these series start sharing TV numbers and stuff, or not TV, but streaming numbers with their um, – drivers and teams and i don't know if the streaming numbers are necessarily as lucrative as people think they are so who knows um but usac's knock is that they don't pay as well as other national tours um as far as wing sprint cars super late models um those series kind of do so it's a mix of a lot of things i think if you're I don't know if you want to do anything to help that. Just tweet at Jake Swanson and tell him to run the Knoxville Nationals. We want to see it happen. Uh, so I don't know. Just do that for us. That's what I have on Jake Swanson. Um, I did want to talk about, Kayla, this is more up your alley. There's a faction of racetracks right now um, around the Midwest. Uh, and I got to go with my friend Knoxville Moths on Twitter, a uh, fantastic guy. Uh, but he was bringing it up. Uh, so Robert Ballou 
Uh, he's a USAC full-time guy. He had tweeted, um, he said, what a fantastic racing surface at Knoxville gave us to race on. Um, and that was sarcastic. Uh, so the first line in Knoxville Moth's tweet was 12,000 to win and you complain, period. Every World of Outlaws race pays 10,000 to win for wings plant cars. 12,000 to win is a big deal for USAC. So think about that money-wise, that World of Outlaws race is like 90 times a year, minus rainouts, and USAC races less and pays less. Just some food for thought, something to ponder. Uh, but he says in the last eight days, uh, we have seen rubber Friday at Jackson, Saturday at Knoxville, Monday at Houston's, Wednesday at Tri-State with the High Limit Series, uh, Friday at River Cities with the World of Outlaws, Friday at Dodge County, um, I believe that was an all-star circuit champion show. Um, and then Saturday at Knoxville in the non-wing race. He said, obviously, there's something bigger going on. Part of that could just be the weather is more dry. Uh, part of that, and I'll put some premium type of info on here, uh, try to get you guys to listen to the podcast a little bit more, uh, grow our listenership. But I think there are some teams that I've heard rumblings of that are worried that there might be a tire shortage coming on soon. Um, not necessarily, we don't have any tires left, but more of you need to go choose between this number and this number that's two numbers higher, one number higher. There's nothing in the middle there. Um, there's been some doubts that it, are the left rears softer and laying more rubber in the racetracks? I don't know. I've, I've reached out to a lot of people about it. I've talked to a few people about it. Um, and there's a, a lot of different answers uh, as to why that's going on, why we're seeing more rubber in the Midwest this week. Um, and if it's a product of the new tires, and if we get two more weeks of this, you almost have to say that. Hopefully we don't. Uh, but I, Caleb, do you, you know what a rubber down dirt track is, right? Yeah. Um, that's That's interesting because it's like, I mean, I'm trying to think of what could possibly contribute that that would be it different. Could, and I mean, it could be the the fact of the matter is it could be everything. Yeah, and that's almost what I was thinking. I mean, you wouldn't really think the weather because I mean, we're used to having warm weather in the Midwest. I mean, this isn't anything abnormal, so um, you wouldn't think anything of it. But it could definitely be um, if they're changing up the tire compound um, or something like that, or just if uh, tell me this like so on those tracks then is it the tracks that are doing the prep or is it it's all yeah it's all tracks um it's not like serious stuff like high limit doesn't have an excavator or uh roto tiller or whatever uh well but i mean like yeah i know the tracks are like the equipment but like are do the tracks kind of say like this is what we want for i think it's yeah i think that's more track by track too depends on how confident they are in their track guy gotcha uh most yeah most of them won't i wouldn't say won't take because i assume they would take suggestions and direction um but most of them know what they're doing and, and do their thing and we don't you know you don't see Houston's rubber down a ton we've seen it before <laughs> certainly but not a ton you don't see knoxville rubber down a ton. some some people have told me that they hate that the nascar trucks ran at knoxville because the track hasn't been the same since 
you've never that. seen Knoxville, and y'all go back and tell me because there's no chance I would have seen it live and been like that was a rubber down racetrack. I don't remember the last time on one of the four nights of the Knoxville Nationals that the track rubber down, and that happened last year, and that was kind of their reasoning with that. Now been over the off season is there rubber in the racetrack is that what the issue is is any of the things i mentioned before have we just had bad luck are we still getting into the seat you know we've had so much rain outs and stuff we're only on the fourth or fifth night of this racing season they get it figured out by august but there's a lot of days where we go there in april may and june and the track is not like it will be in august don't take right. don't take the results of next weekend's world of allies races at the track um, as something uh, to look at power rankings wise when the nationals come around. Now, also, if you're on the fence about coming out, best weekend to do so that isn't nationals weekend is this weekend with the World of Outlaws coming. So Friday and Saturday, get your tickets. Going to be a fun time. That's not a paid ad. I'm just telling you, it's a great product, a great series, uh, and really fun, fun racetrack to be at. So. Sorry, yeah, go, go. No, you're good. So which series, which, which series is that this weekend? This weekend it was the USAC non-wing sprint yeah, series. This, this coming weekend that you were just talking oh, about. That, that's World of Outlaws. Okay. Yeah, that's what, um, yeah, I'm just looking at some of the other notes and stuff. There, I, I don't think it will be uh, too massive of an issue. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it's hard to call today also. You know, you're very contingent on what's the weather looking like for the weekend forecast. What's the, what is the um, dew point this week look like? How is everything? Whoa, holy crap. Sorry, I, I got Houston's on the side screen here and Chuck McGilvery just, I don't know, looked like he came out of nowhere. Gage Polkerback involved in the accident. Halfway through the feature at Houston's. Um, I think both guys are okay. Neither of them flipped or anything, so I think they're fine, but <laughs> tough sledding there. Um, no, I don't think the world of outlaws, it, I'm not looking at rubber as being an issue this weekend, but if it ends up being an issue, and that's, kind of a, a testament to the Duncans and the track crew at Knoxville. They're very good. They're known as the best in the country. Uh, I, I just wouldn't expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see kind of what happens this weekend. But if, and if it happens, then I go, are we yeah, going to Hoosier again? Are we going to have a big deal with Hoosier again? What are they, what are they currently race on? They changed the compound this year. It's a little different. I think the the right rear tire is kind of similar in hardness. Some people want to say it's more. I got told by a team owner last night that the tire was not as hard. So, and I'm not mentioning names for a reason. You know, these I didn't ask these people. You know, go out. And, all these are just facts that are happening and what they think might happen. Um, and I think it's important to have communication like that. Uh, Justin Henderson, that safety video, not, not quote unquote safety video, but we did an interview about driver safety, about having a driver's council uh, potentially and trying to get down to some of these issues and communicate with them um, just about what's going on and stuff like that. So 
I, I wish we had something like that to kind of have this talked out and have some meetings where we come away with some, you know, we're going to do this instead this week and we're going to see what, what happens. But regardless, uh, it's just a unique happenstance right now. And, you know, we'll see. I To go from the start for you, Caleb, last year and the year before coming out of COVID, Hoosier Tire was having shortage issues and the companies very broad statements released in my opinion only hurt their reputation more than it helped it their reasonings were the supply chain which if you leave it at that is a perfectly fine excuse to have a tire shortage they were making statements um and i'm paraphrasing uh but similar to uh, it takes three to six months to train someone to make our tires that's very long we can't just fix this this weekend okay the next reason was and also no one wants to work right now i'm just gonna let you know i don't know if i said this publicly at the time maybe i was a little too shy too new to sprint car racing reporting if you're if you have a job that takes three to six months to to train somebody to do and no one wants to work it you're not paying enough that's what's going on yeah i mean I, that's trust me i think hoosier makes enough money they make a lot of effing tires a lot yeah so, but yet they keep having to raise the prices every six months so caleb's a asphalt lay model guy <laughs> and apparently the company comes up again and i Personally, I've never talked to a Hoosier employee that hasn't given me the time of day and been very nice and very open to what was going on. And a lot of their people at racetracks and representatives at racetracks, all of them very well, all of them very good at their job, very good at what they do. Not an easy job to do, right? It, it's just the optics of how it looks. And if we're worried about it, are we going to hear anything from Hoosier in the coming weeks uh, about kind of examining, you know, why this different tire compound? And frankly, I don't know enough about tires right now. Maybe I should apply to a job at Hoosier and in six months, I'll give you a whole hour long podcast just about what the hell is different about these things. But are we going to hear anything in the coming weeks addressing whatever the hell is going on because it's just bizarre there's so many I, i've never asked on a, i don't know if it was this weekend or not i i don't know if there is just something in the air but i've never asked everyone the same question and gotten six different answers and then text someone else today and get a seven and you're like what is i, I have no clue where to go with what i think it but to give you some context, that was that was the last two seasons. They kind of rectified it with the new tire compound. Everything's been good, but now tracks are rubbering up, and it's an issue. And that's the problem is, I mean, unless more and more people say, like, they think it's a specific Hoosier problem, then Hoosier probably won't say anything about it. Like, they'll just leave it be. Oh, we lost you. I can't hear you. I just forgot to unmute my microphone. Oh yeah, there you go. I hit mute to sneeze. Um, but we we just don't know if it's 
uh, who's your problem right now? You know, you're waiting to hear about that. You're waiting to make sure that's the issue if that's what's going on. Um, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about Hoosier. I think that's what I just said was has been said over the years, but to connect things sooner for Caleb, hopefully, um, to know that, you know, I, do, have you guys, did you guys deal with the tire shortage at all on the asphalt A model side? Um, well, so our, most of our classes run Hoosiers. So Josh is uh, nodding his head. Yes. And you're going home. Uh, it was, a, I recall it being a previous conversation had. Yeah. So most of our classes run it. So not just, just late models, but, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely had to be kind of watchful of, uh, yeah, that's a better term. Um, and just kind of, you know, to tell each other, Hey, don't, you know, burn them. And, um, I don't know what the, what the dirt rules are as far as tires. Um, but I know like on the asphalt side, there's rules to how often you can get tires. Um, yes. Uh, similar type things here that they don't want anyone hoarding a warehouse of tires. Um, I think part of that is what stopped me from just opening my own Hoosier building over here. Well, and that's the thing is it's, it's meant to one, keep costs down so that you're not, you know, hoarding tires Two, it, it's meant to be a deal where you can't just, you know, the rich guys can't go spend four new tires and, and do all that. So, well, and if, uh, if you don't have that many, if you don't have an unlimited supply, like you think a company should have in that spot, which just isn't a, Goodyear does such a job with NASCAR and there's a reason Goodyear isn't everywhere else. Uh, honestly monopolizing a tire company uh, to the point of what Hoosier is, uh, you're making a crap ton of tires, you're never gonna have enough, right? Uh, and that, that's the main reason is they don't want to run out of inventory after the first 17 guys of the 30 decided to buy 16 sets of tires a piece and then the next 13 guys don't have any to run on, so. Right. And then all of them are gonna go ask the guys that have tires and they're gonna sell them at an upcharge, so. I, I get that aspect. Um, it was kind of odd uh, during the shortage. There's rumors of who got extra tires and what benefits they had to get them. Uh, and I can't say any of those with 100% certainty, so I won't bring up any names or not names, um, but groups uh, rather. Um, but yeah, uh, it's complicated. I, every It could be anything. We don't know. Um, I think we covered it well. I, do you have anything else on that, I guess, that, that specific issue? I don't think so. All right. Um, World of Outlaws late model side, uh, Brian Shirley ends up getting the win this week, and he's fifth in World of Outlaws points right now. He's in front of Brandon Shepard. Uh, I believe he's in front of another big name, and I forgot who it was because I wrote it down. I didn't go past the top five. Uh, Bobby Pierce up there, Nick Hoffman having a really good start to the season, and uh, – I believe did it again, just closed out of it, no reason. Uh, Chris Madden leads the series, and then Kyle Bronson, uh, Hoffman, and Pierce are tied at 40. Surely 62 behind. Very uh, intriguing World of Allies race this year. A lot of big names still in it, so I'm very excited to see uh, just what that does going on um, the rest of the year. Uh, Carson Macedo won on Saturday with the Allies at Ogilvy. 
Did you see my tweet? They have they sell at this racetrack that the outlaws have never raced at. I don't know why. The the like restaurant bar area type thing on the racetrack like looks super put together and kind of clubhouse ish. Looks very nice. <laughs> on the wall is just an advertisement that said uh, "bag of beer five for 15. I did see that. Yeah. I just want like the people walking around with like a high V bag of beers. Like college town, you, you're thinking like that guy's messed up. He's definitely not sober right now. Um, and that could be from beer or any other substance at all in the world that exists. Uh, but at a racetrack, like I, I think the people carrying around bags of beer are kick ass. So at some point they're going to find an ice machine and put some ice in the high V sack of beer. I, that's, I mean, it's a very unique thing. It's a good marketing deal. We did a similar thing at Hawkeye Downs with a cooler um, where basically, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it was like for $25, you got, you know, the little soft-sided Hawkeye Downs cooler and six beers with it. Um, and then to refill the cooler, it was like 15 bucks or something like that, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, people, people love that stuff. Can I throw a promotional idea at you? I mean, sure, I don't work at the track anymore, but. Okay, what if what if you put like beer on like a super cheap scale and said like you buy three beers uh, for $3, uh, but we're gonna throw an egg at your shirt, <laughs> uncooked egg. And it was like, that guy bought a beer. I know that, yeah, he bought that three, three beers for $3 deal. And everyone would just have egg on their shirt at the end of that. I feel like that'd be a damn fun visual. Let's not. Let's definitely not the same it. selling strategies because it just came into my head. Let's hope it's not like a super uh, warm night so that people don't have like cooked egg on. Do you think the sun's cooking eggs? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's the same thing as people putting food on their car dash when it's like 95 degrees out and it cooks food on their car dash. That's not in your car. It's, uh, it's going to be later in the night. All right. Yeah. All right. Carson Macedo uh, picks up the World of Outlaws when he's the points leader now. Kind of a big three emerging with the Outlaws. I think we knew this coming into the season. These were the contenders. Um, but a very good uh championship race that's going on um so i'm excited to see how that turns out also our guy chase randall uh just won at houston's uh for their weekly show his second one of the season he's amped about it um always cool to see uh chase get some done and he's been very good this season uh shout out noah gas uh running at houston's as well so he used one of his uh world of outlaws uh, exemptions to run tonight i believe i haven't heard that he's off the tour or anything i am uh a little bit perplexed that he chose to run that race over um some potential others not necessarily anything direct by that but maybe it's just he thought he had a better shot or something Who knows? yeah and he, he could just be getting prep for uh later this month uh with the houston high bank nationals we'll be up there um highest paying world of outlaws sprint car sanctioned event of the year obviously the eldora million is sprint cars this year uh so we'll 
you know, we'll be in Eldora for that too. But yeah, um, I would assume it's practice for that. I would assume it's wanting more laps at Houston's for that. Noah's a guy that's gotten steadily improved in a sprint car over the past couple of seasons. So I like seeing that. I think I think there's guys in, in dirt racing that don't ever get better and are just kind of that their entire careers. And I think people treat them better or treat them more fairly than they treat the guys that start lower and are ascending uh, for a long period of time. I, I don't know why. I don't know why they don't get as much respect, but good shit for uh, Noah Gass because he podiumed over the guy that won at Houston's last week in Caleb Johnson. So, uh, I mean, I, I'd say that's true for racing across all boards, though. I mean, you look yeah, at you like think, yeah, yeah. People, people like Mark Martin. I think that's a fair one where like you you throw out the most high profile like you said that guy like like well, there's like 70 people you could say and you say all right that's actually you know, that's I mean, was, it's the eye-opening one that's you're good at that kill or like uh, you think of like a matt crafton too that like they just the king of the truck series exactly keep throwing more out keep throwing more out because i want to i want to get to one we agree on how do you not agree with those though? I mean, they just kind of like, they, there's they, a very they, obvious name that you could have said the entire time, which I would have just been like, yeah, I guess. It's hard now because it's like, I, I mean, there's so many to like think about. I mean, who are you thinking of? I, I don't want to say the name. Are you talking about Michael Lynette? <laughs> That's a good suggestion, Caleb. Uh, I hate to say it. <laughs> I think he's a little better than that, but oh lord. Also, he was ascending and then he broke his legs. So let's not look over that career-changing incident. That's all I'm trying to say. I can't believe it took you that long to come up with that. Come on. Yeah. Off your game, dude. But we on on that note. <laughs> We should wrap it up. Did you have anything else to say on that? I, I, I like guys like Corey LaJoy, guys like Carson Hosevar that are coming up and trying to get better and you notice them getting better sometimes, or sometimes you don't. But yeah, and I think hey, today, I, think I know we talked about it being luck, but some people would say today that Corey LaJoy is still way better than Carson Hosevar and Hosevar just drove the crap out of him. I, I think that's fair too. I think that's why people are more harsh on the people that are trying to ascend though, because like, it's not, it's obviously not just a straight up like progression. So the moment then you see some faltering, everybody's going to point at you and be like, Oh, hold on a second. But if you're just like, if, if you finish eighth every single weekend, people expect you to finish eighth, but if you're finishing 15th and then you finish 11th and then you finish eighth and then you finish 10th, people are going to go, Oh, hold on a second. Is he, is he bad now? Like, you know, it, that's where you kind of get yourself into trouble. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just, just part of the game really like, yeah. Apologies. Apologies to flow racing. Also, I just somehow hit the cable and put their, uh, put their broadcast on, did not have permission. So I think we'll be fine, but <laughs> sorry to them. 
I don't think I. I don't even think it had appeared. Doesn't. Oh, it did you not hear that? And that was about it. Yeah, it, I mean, it was two seconds of it. It wasn't anything big. Um, yeah, good stuff. I think uh, hopefully down the road, maybe I don't know, the general population gets smarter and, and figures it out. That's a, that's a long ways down the road, but I'm amped. It's going to be a damn fun race weekend this weekend with that Knoxville doubleheader and a Crown Jewel late model race. Uh, Sonoma never sucks. I know IndyCar's off. Uh, they get a much needed break uh, for those guys with what they've been through. Um, we'll preview all of it. We're gonna get a guest for Wednesday. Might even have two. Uh, we'll see what happens this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, JR interview. Uh, we're trying to cut these down. We're trying to make them shorter. I also just think like everything deserves its time. Uh, we, you know, Jet Lawrence won the first two uh, motocross races. He's on a tear there. It seems to be like that's where he thrives. It seems to be a lot of the younger guys thrive outdoors, which is interesting too. Braden or uh, Hayden Deegan uh, off to a really good start. I don't know why I called him Braden, so apologies there. NHRA, NHRA is racing tomorrow morning, Monday morning. I don't. Caleb, are they on TV? This is a Damon question, and this is why I want Damon here. Yeah, I can't. Help if you guys see Damon, he took a vacation this weekend. Uh, he may or may not have been at Gateway today, but he took a damn vacation. So that's probably why we didn't hear from him. the internet. Probably sucked. That's fair. Sorry, everything just clicked in my head there at the end. So, um, no, thank you guys for listening. We're going to preview that. We're going to. Oh, this is why I should write everything down on rundowns starting now. Caleb, you've embarrassed me without even doing anything so thank you i guess um what do you guys think if we do josh said he'd want to do a draft of races every week i think it'd be a fun segment if we picked one race biggest race of the weekend we'll do the uh, eldora dirt late model dream this week uh, but we pick one race that weekend do a snake draft if you win it depends how many people did the draft if you win you get three like say we did it tonight you'd get three points and if it was all five of us you'd get five if it was four you'd get four and then three two one after that uh yeah i mean i think you get everybody involved every week by just yeah like, yeah we can that's you do whoever's on the podcast gets first choice and then everybody else gets you know the rest afterwards best first the rest uh, if you're going to relay on attendance to the podcast, I'm going to win. I, 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 <laughs> I'm, just yeah. I'm just telling you. But I mean, I feel like that's a fair assessment, though. I mean. If if you guys are fine with that, we can do that. I want to, like, think of a fun punishment for the loser or something. Don't. What the hell was that look, Josh? <laughs> Can't just do it for fun. I, I mean, we can, but I think we laid, laid a body on the line and it gets a little more interesting. We could, we could make the loser be a Ross Chastain fan for the first six weeks of next year. Oh, how horrible. If my pick sucked, I would be miserable. 
This is like you couldn't tweet about it. Like you couldn't. That's that's just one of my ideas. But you couldn't you couldn't tweet that this is why you're cheering for Ross Chastain for six weeks until after the six weeks ended. You automatically like if you're last place, you automatically have to have Ross Chastain on your team. That is your first pick. <laughs> yeah, if if we get into the Daytona 500, it's like you got to go one 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 Ross Chastain. Yep. Because you you just like that guy so much. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, we'll think about it. We uh we'll congregate and, and do our thing and figure it out. But appreciate you guys for listening. Look for that to come this week. If you have any ideas, you know, send me tweets of what you think the loser should do. Specifically, Josh. All right. Maybe he has to tweet one time. Pato Pato Award can't survive an IndyCar. Um, maybe F1 is more suited for him. Or cut my toe off. <laughs> or cut his toe off. He gets a choice. How about that? There you go, Josh. Yeah. Options. No shit. Options, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate Caleb for staying up. He looks exhausted every time. Uh, that easy. Nope. Caleb's working right now. He's doing something. Uh, all of the above. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks again, the Carl Auto Group. Uh, we will be at track this week uh, with the Outlaws at Knoxville. I unfortunately won't be at Eagle with High Limit. I uh, had a Cyclone Fanatic thing, um, so you'll get football coverage Tuesday. So apologies. I'll still watch High Limit. I'll be watching on my phone. And, uh, updating and doing all that on Twitter. So appreciate you guys again. And, uh, we're gonna work on who we'll have on Wednesday. Um, but I can guarantee it'll be an interesting person, uh, if we get one of them on. So read into that with what you will, uh, appreciate y'all. Thank you. Uh, enjoy your Monday through Wednesday or whenever we do our next show should be Wednesday night or Thursday morning. So, Hope you guys have fun. Excellent time of year. Indiana Midget Week kicking off. Um, Yeah, let's ride. See y'all.